Hi, I'm Edwards Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. When I bring pilgrims to Italy, I love to take them to the Church of St. Clair in Assisi, the Church of Santa Chiara in beautiful Assisi, and I bring them down into the crypt, and we pray at the tomb where she's buried, but I also love to show them these beautiful images that tell the story of the life of St. Clair. And one of my favorite scenes that are depicted there uh, comes from uh, the year 1240 A.D. It's Later in her life, she's not well, she's frail, she's sick, and a great crisis unfolds in Assisi. The Saracens have invaded the city, and the soldiers have stormed the convent, and the sisters are panicking, and they rush to tell Claire what's happening. And St. Claire calmly places all of her trust in the Lord, and she goes to the one person who can help the most, and that is Jesus present in the Blessed Sacrament. She goes to pray before the Eucharist, and she begs God to help them. She says to them, Behold, my Lord, is it possible that you want to deliver into the hands of the pagans your defenseless handmaids, whom I've taught out of love for you? I pray you, Lord, protect these your handmaids who I cannot save by myself. She wants God to come and protect the sisters in her convent from the soldiers that have invaded the sacred space. She turns to Jesus in the Eucharist, and while she's laying prostrate and pouring out her heart in prayer, she hears Jesus speak to her, the voice from the tabernacle saying, I will always protect you. And then she goes on to bring out a silver case carrying the blessed sacrament, and she goes out to meet the soldiers carrying the blessed sacrament. And when the Saracens see her and see the blessed sacrament, they are struck with fear and they run away and retreat from Assisi. <laughs> this, this is a wonderful story about St. Clair's tremendous confidence in God and his presence in the Blessed Sacrament, the God who wants to be with us in all of our troubles and all of our trials and all of our struggles. He wants to heal us. He wants to help us. He wants to protect us. The God who can work miracles when things seem impossible, when it seems like there's nothing we can do. What did Claire do? She turned to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. What do you do? When you face troubles in your life, when you face troubles in your home and in your marriage or with your children, what do you do? Do you have that instinct like Claire to bring your troubles to the Lord Jesus, who is really present, who wants to help you? When you face troubles at work, troubles in your parish, troubles in relationship, troubles with health, whatever's going on in your life, whatever trials you're facing— Do you have the instinct of St. Clair to turn to the power of the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist? You know, I think when we live in the culture we're living in, we live in a very secular age, and we can get discouraged many times. We could feel overwhelmed and feel like things are just getting worse and worse in the culture, and we could feel like like we're against all odds and it's never going to get better. Do Do we turn to Jesus in the Eucharist like Claire did? having confidence that he can work miracles, that with God, nothing is impossible. Do we have that confidence when we look and see the many crises we face within our own church and the many troubles we face, maybe in our own local parishes or whatever's happening in the world? Do do we actually turn to Jesus in the blessed sacrament? Let's Let's turn to our Lord Jesus with confidence like St. Clair. That's why I'm so excited that the U.S. bishops 
are calling for this great Eucharistic revival, and they're going to be gathering tens of thousands of people in Indianapolis this upcoming summer, July 17th through 21st, at the National Eucharistic Congress. Are you going to go to that? I'm going to be there. I'm blessed. I'm excited. I'm going to be speaking at that. I know many focused missionaries and students all around the country are going to be participating. I know that there are many dioceses and parishes all around the United States planning, preparing, and, and, and coming together for our faith in the Eucharist to turn to the one person who can make all the difference in our lives. Let's turn to Jesus Let's support our bishops and support our pastors in this Eucharistic Revival. You can go to EucharisticRevival.org to learn more about this amazing Congress coming up July 17th through 21st in Indianapolis. There'll be a lot of great Catholic speakers that are going to be presenting. There'll be many opportunities for workshops, opportunities for worship together, and certainly adoration of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, as well as the celebration of the Eucharistic Liturgy the celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. When people come together like this, it has a power that can be unleashed in the world, in the church, and in our families. And so let's support our bishops, let's support our parishes, and I hope to see you in Indianapolis. And I want to welcome you all to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree. I'm really excited about this. And I know I have many listeners from all over the world who may not come into Indianapolis, but you're welcome to come. You're welcome to fly in and join us for this as well. But even if you're not in the United States where we're doing our own Eucharistic revival here, you can apply a Eucharistic revival in your own heart, in your own home, maybe in your own school, your own parish. What we're going to talk about today is not applicable only for United States Catholics that are getting ready for this special Congress this July, which is going to be awesome. What I want to talk about today is the need for Eucharistic revival in all of our hearts, whether you're in Australia or Italy or the UK, or whether you're in Germany listening or you're in Malta listening, wherever you may be, I want to invite you and encourage you to ask the Lord, how can you have a revival in your own heart? with the Eucharist? How can you grow in your devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist? How can you have that confidence and trust that St. Clair had in Jesus and the power of Jesus in the Eucharist? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about in today's podcast. So welcome. And I want to give a, a warm welcome to anyone who's joining us here for the first time, especially many new listeners in Malta. I am so excited. I was able to be with the Chinookola community there in Malta presenting for their, their annual conference. And it was so exciting meeting over 500 on fire Catholics, many college students, many recent graduates, young adults, and many families. It was just so beautiful to see their Eucharistic faith. Uh, we had Eucharistic adoration at multiple times throughout the conference. It was a short trip. I flew there on a Friday, and I was home back in Denver Monday, I think around noon or so. So it was a very short trip, but incredibly blessed to meet so many wonderful people. I want to give a shout out to the founder of the community, Andrew, as well as many other good people I met there, like Michael, Silvana, David, and there's so many others. I can't name them all here, but I am so moved by your hospitality while I was there. Your witness 
to Jesus Christ in the faith and your challenges you're facing as the culture in Malta has quickly, quickly turned <laughs> into very, very secular culture. It used to be one of the known as one of the top Catholic cultures in in the world. I remember in the 90s, you heard about, okay, what are the pro-life, pro-marriage and you know pro-Catholic co- countries that are left in the world? And it was like Poland and Ireland and Malta was another one. And things have turned so quickly there. And I know they're facing many challenges. Pray for them as they're desiring to be a witness to the truth of Jesus Christ in the Catholic faith and the battles that they're facing in their particular culture there. But let's pray for everyone that we may go through a Eucharistic revival. What I'm going to share with you is based on a brand new book that I have that just came out in the last couple of months. It's a short little book, a Q&A book called Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Questions and Answers on the Eucharist. Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Questions and Answers on the Mystery of the Eucharist, published by Ascension Press. Uh, it's a short little booklet that you can hand out at your parish and get in bulk quantities. They have bulk pricing for this. And I know there's a lot of resources out there on the Eucharist, and I just pray whatever resource you use, this is a time to really do great evangelization and catechesis around the Eucharist. And and we need to do that in our parishes. We need to do that in our communities. We need to do that in our own families. What's unique about this particular resource is that it's in a Q&A format. So it's really easy to read. It just breaks down the basic aspects of the Eucharist that many of us Catholics don't know. In fact, in the United States, only 31% of Catholics believe in the real presence. That's a crisis of faith. (laughs) This is the center of our faith. And only about one out of three really believe that Jesus is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Only 31% have faith that comes close to what St. Clair exhibited putting all of her trust in Jesus in the Eucharist. We need Eucharistic revival. We need better catechesis in our homes, starting with parents forming their children, grandparents forming their grandchildren within the family. That's the number one place that people will learn to encounter Jesus in the Eucharist. So if you're listening and you're, you're a parent, do you form your children in the Eucharist? Do you give witness to the Eucharist? Do you turn to Jesus in the Eucharist in times of crisis like Claire did? Do your children see you stop to visit him in the Blessed Sacrament at your local parish? Do they see your reverence and devotion when you go to Mass and when you receive Holy Communion and when you stay after Mass to pray and rest with Jesus in thanksgiving? Do they see your witness? Because that will communicate so much more than any book or any video or any catechetical program. Now, that being said, books and videos and catechetical programs are also helpful to reinforce and teach about that faith, and that's why we developed this resource at Ascension Press. Again, it's called Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Questions and Answers on the Eucharist. Very easy to read. You can pass this on to children. You can pass it on in in your Catholic schools. You can pass it on to, to lay people, to family members, to coworkers. We have to spread the good news that God is with us, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ was not here just 2,000 years ago. He remains with us in the Blessed Sacrament. Let's pass on the truth about the Eucharist. Amen? Wow, I feel like I'm at a revival right now. I'm just so excited about this. I want to talk about this, this Eucharistic revival. Again, it's particular to the United States, what what we're doing here, getting ready for this big Congress, July 17th to 21st in Indianapolis. But it's something we need around the world. We need a revival in our hearts We need a revival in our faith in the Eucharist. And the idea of a revival 
he has in many, in a sense, many biblical roots. I think about how in the Old Testament, there are many times of great renewal. I think about Joshua and Joshua 24, shortly before he dies, he gathers the people and challenges them to be faithful. He, he brings them back to the truth of the covenant and they read the words of the covenant. He calls them back to the truth of God's law and God's mor- the moral life that we're called to live because he saw the people were becoming lax. They were starting to turn back to pagan idolatry. And he calls them back and he says, choose this day whom you will serve. Are you going to serve the Lord, the one true God? Are you going to serve the, the gods of Egypt or the gods of the Canaanites? Who are you going to serve? And he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that powerful moment of covenant renewal got everyone back on track got everyone's faith life more deeply rooted. And and so that he, in his lifetime, saw that every one of the people that were living in his lifetime, they all became, they were faithful to the Lord again. And and then and that was passed on to the next generation. Now, it didn't go all the way down to the next generation. We, we need regular times of renewal, but Joshua was a great spiritual leader calling us to that renewal. I think of other great people like Josiah or Ezra also called people back to the word of God, to God's law, to truth, and it sparked a great renewal in the time of the people of Israel in their lifetimes. That's why I'm so thankful for bishops that are calling us to a renewal in this central aspect of our faith in the Eucharist. I think about that story of the fall of Jericho. Do you remember that story in, in the book of Joshua where there's this big fortified city and, and, and there, there's this battle between the two, but the fortified city is it's impossible. How are you going to possibly break down these walls? And it just seems like they're against all odds. But what do they do? They don't get more armies or get more swords and chariots. That's not what they do. The Israelites they turn to God <laughs> and, and they go around the city seven days. And on the seventh day, they go around the city seven times. And then they blow the trumpet on the seventh time around the city and the walls fall down. But what's fascinating in that story is that it was the Ark of the Covenant that they put in the front of the procession when they went around the city for those seven days. And then on the seventh day, they went around the city seven times they had the Ark of the Covenant at the front of the procession. The Ark of the Covenant is what carried the holy presence of God, the Shekinah glory, the visible manifestation of God's holy presence. And so they put their trust in God. And on the seventh time going around the city, the walls fall down. And archaeology has shown that the walls that fell down there at Jericho, they, they fell down flat. In other words, they, they weren't they, they didn't fall down because an army knocked them down and they fell inward. They didn't, walk, they didn't fall down because there was some big battering ram to knock down the walls. No, they just collapsed. They fell down flat. There was some miraculous intervention that took place that day. And I think about in our own lives, what are the walls we're facing right now? Maybe there's something we're, we're just struggling with. Maybe we have a certain addiction and, and I just can't break down this wall. Or maybe there's a certain relationship uh, with a family member that I, I, I wish were better and, it, and it's just not better and it, it's always tense and there's tension or there's a lot of wounds in the relationship and I, I, I just want the walls dividing this relationship to come down. Or maybe there's something we're facing you know, in, the, in our mission. I know many people listen, are involved in different parish ministries and there's some, some struggle 
in your parish or in the community you're in and you're just wanting the walls to fall down. Or again, we look out on the culture and we just could just see one bad thing happening after another and more and more people turning away from God and from truth and from virtue. And there's just so many walls keeping people from Jesus Christ and we want those walls to fall down. We have loved ones who are away from the church and we long for them to come back our brother, our sister, our son, our grandchild, our parent, we long for them to come back to the church and we want those walls to fall down. I think about Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament here. The tabernacles in our churches, they're kind of like arcs of the covenant, carrying not just the cloud of glory, but carrying the real presence of Jesus, the very body, blood, soul, and divinity, the sacred hosts consecrated at mass are in these tabernacles all around the world. And those sacred hosts are no longer bread. When they're consecrated, they become the body and blood of Christ. The same Jesus that calmed the storms, the same Jesus that drew people to repentance The same Jesus that worked miracles, healing people, expelling demons, raising the dead. That same Jesus is present in the blessed sacrament. All we have to do is come near to him. We need Eucharistic revival. We need our hearts going through a Eucharistic revival that we see the great importance. Do we have the instinct of St. Clair? When there's a problem in our marriage, do we go to Jesus? When there's a, a, a tense situation happening with one of our children, Do we go to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament? When there's a problem at work, a problem in the parish, do we pray for our country? Do we pray for our church? Do we go to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament? Because he can make all those walls fall down. We need Eucharistic revival, my friends. You know, I think about a great priest, a wonderful Jesuit priest from the second half of the 20th century, I've mentioned him before uh, on the show, and I've written about him in my book, Into His Likeness. Uh, I mentioned him. Um, Father John Harden was just a great hero, a great uh, leader in the church, a great spiritual director, a, a wonderful catechist. In times of a lack of catechesis in the, in the world, he stood out as a hero of teaching the, the truth of the Catholic faith, breaking it down, making it very easy for people to understand. But I think he will be known someday, not just for his catechesis, but as a Eucharistic saint, because he loved Jesus in the Eucharist. He, oh, and it didn't just, it was so clear in his life that it was, that that was the number one thing in his life. I was blessed to live with him for about maybe three months or so. And I was in transition from my corporate world job and I was going to go study in my graduate school, study theology. And I had a three month little window and I went and lived with him, prayed with him and was blessed to, do the spiritual exercises with him, Ignatius of Loyola's wonderful 30-day retreat. But living with him day in and day out for those three months had a profound, I know, impact on my life. I'm so thankful. He was such a, a saintly man, but he loved the Eucharist. You know, we would be in the refectory having having lunch, and then we had to go to his office and have a meeting. Uh, I was helping him edit some of his manuscripts. And we would go the long way. We, there was like a, a one direct path that would have been very simple to go to his office. But we, no, no, that's not what he did. He always went out of his way, went the longer way and because he wanted to pass by the chapel and he wanted to stop in and just say a short prayer every time. 
And I remember being, you know, I love that we, you know, we, we went to mass this morning, prayed a holy hour in the morning, and we had mass before lunch. So we, and we were in the chapel. We've been in the chapel a lot today. You know, I went to, went to lunch with him and now we got to get some work done. Okay. After lunch, we got to get some work done. <laughs> so let's go, let's get, let's get to your office. But he always went the long way because he put first things first, more important than our work was Jesus. And he, he just had this great relationship, this great friendship with Jesus. And he always wanted to stop by. So we'd stop by the chapel on the way to the office and go to the long way. And then when we would go and I'd, take, I'd drive him to one of his doctor appointments, we had to stop by the chapel before he would go out to drive him to his doctor appointment. And when we came back from the doctor appointment, we stopped in the chapel again before he we went back to the office. He just always was stopping by all throughout the day, making little visits. I mean, I think he visited the Blessed Sacrament a dozen or two dozen times every day. And he also had this instinct that whenever there was something troubling, something difficult he was facing, he, he always said, you know, I, I always make a beeline to the Blessed Sacrament. As soon as some problem comes up, there's some problem in the community, some problem in his work, some problem with one of the people he's ministering to. The first thing he did was immediately go to the Blessed Sacrament. He had the same instinct of St. Clair. How about you? When you face troubles, you face fears, you face difficulties, do you go to Jesus? Do you turn to him? in the blessed sacrament? Do you make time now? I, I, he had the benefit of living in a, in a house where the blessed sacrament was. He had his own chapel. So that makes it a little easier. If you had the blessed sacrament in your house, that would be amazing, right? But so that might not be easy for many of us who are lay people. We have families, we have jobs, but can we take time to go visit Jesus in the blessed sacrament? Can we find a way to, to stop by our parish? It might be a, like a 10 minute drive out of our way. It's not the most direct way home from work. But we give God like a little extra 10 minutes and you know we stop in and maybe we only stay for a minute or two. But that little act of love of just, I want to go out of my way, Jesus, just to spend some time with you. I want to tell you about what's happening in my life. I want to sit in your presence. I want to listen to you and seek your guidance and your strength in my life. I want to worship you. I want to adore you. Do we, do we take that time? Again, we could worship and adore and pray anywhere. And no one should feel guilty if in your particular circumstances, it's, you can't get to the church. It, it's not, it, it just won't work. You know, it's not feasible. Uh, it wouldn't be prudent for you. You know, maybe your, your season in life and your state of life and family life maybe doesn't allow this. But is there a way you can go on some regular basis? If you can't go every day, can you find the time to go once a week? It, married couples, when you're raising little kids, this is hard, but I know we did this when our kids were younger. I know that Beth would, would have her Mondays with mommy, she called it, where she would go with one of our kids and they would go and do a holy hour, maybe a holy half hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament and then go out for a treat afterwards. But it was, I would be home with the kids so that she could get time to go to the Blessed Sacrament. It was easier for me in the daytime hours, I as I was out working, I could stop at a church and many times, many of the places I was working, we had a chapel. So it was easy for me to get that time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. But if if husband and wife can trade off. I know many couples do this, that the husband will stay at home one night or get up early and take care of the kids so the wife can go to the Blessed Sacrament once a week, maybe. And then another day, the husband maybe gets that time. Can can we find that time, even on, on some regular basis, to spend with our Lord Jesus? St. Clair clearly knew where to turn in times of trouble. So the next time you feel anxious, the next time you're facing a trial, 
the next time you're worried about something or you're enduring some suffering or you have to make a big decision, who will you turn to? Run to Jesus in the blessed sacrament. He's waiting for you. He loves you. That's why he's there. He's there because he wants to heal you. He wants to help you. He wants to fill you with his life. He wants to change your heart. He wants to make you a saint. And if we can sit in his holy presence, the more we can sit in his presence, the more we will be changed. Even if we're distracted, even if our mind wanders. I love what Blessed Carlo once said. You know, he said that when you're sitting in the sun, getting a, you get a suntan. And when you sit in the presence of the divine son, Jesus, you can become a saint. That's why Jesus is here. He's so close to us. Let's go to him. Amen. Eucharistic Revival. Go check it out at eucharisticrevival.org. Again, that's eucharisticrevival.org. There's free resources for parishes, for families, and more information about the Eucharistic Congress on July 17th to 21st in Indianapolis. I'll be there. Many other great Catholic speakers are going to be presenting, but most of all, our King Jesus is going to be there. Let's come like the time of Joshua or Josiah or Ezra. Let's come together and be renewed by the Word of God and by the word of God made present sacramentally in the Eucharist. So check that out there at eucharisticrevival.org. And again, uh, all that I'm sharing from you, uh, there's little insights you can get from my question and answer book about the Eucharist for yourself, for your parish. You can get this in bulk quantities, bulk pricing at ascensionpress.com. And the book is called Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Questions and Answers About the Mystery of the Eucharist. Again, you can get that at ascensionpress.com. Thanks for listening. God bless.